Chapters three and four of the Long Long Trail by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three. The law of compensation works in this manner: those who give their hearts to few things give in those cases wholly and without reserve. The life of Morgan Valentine had been a smooth-flowing river until the death of his brother. That blow aged him ten years. From that day until this, it seemed to him that his life had been a blank, and now another blow was to fall. For if the girl left him, she left him forever. The city would swallow her, the city and her new life. He might see her again once or twice, but after the parting, he would be dead to her and she would be dead to him. He set his teeth over the pain and smiled into the face of his wife. He raised her gently to her feet, and she put her hands timidly imploring upon his shoulders. "'Will you take it to heart a whole pile, Morgan?' "'It's for the good of us all, mother. I've seen that for some time. You see, I've been looking on Mary as a girl all these days, and here all at once she turns the corner on me, and I see she's a full-grown woman. It kind of beats me, but I guess she's got to go. This ain't no sort of a country for her.' back where men don't wear guns and where they don't do more and raise their eyebrows when they get real mad that's the place for mary to do her campaigning but she'll be turning these parts round here into a regular battlefield if she stays mrs valentine caught her breath with joy i hoped you'd be reasonable like this morgue she murmured but then again i was afraid you'd get all grey in the face maybe the way you did when well when john died mary ain't dying of course not and it's for the best it ain't the first time she started trouble and you know it there was the boys of old jack white they got into a fight because mary smiled at billy one week and at young jack the next might have been a death if their father hadn't found em it said then there was bud aiken who hush mother you're getting all excited besides you ought to be asleep now you go back to bed and stop worrying he stopped the rattle of galloping horses had topped the hill and was rushing down toward the house. The cavalcade swept near. "'Maybe more trouble,' cried the poor woman, clasping her hands. But as the riders poured past the house, a chorus of voices and laughter arose. "'That's Charlie and Lewis and Liz,' cried the mother, recognizing all three voices in the chorus. "'And Mary,' said Valentine. "'Her, too.' she added shortly, and sent a glance at her husband. The horses were put up, the voices grew out again, they were racing for the house, a shrill peal of laughter, a clatter on the steps, the door flew open and a girl sprang in, a flash of black hair and eyes and the flushed face and then laughter. "'You tripped me, Mary!' "'But I got here first. she was crying in triumph as a burly youth crowded through the doorway, and behind him his brother and sister were coming. "'Why, mother, you up so late?' asked Charlie. And the wonder of this strange event made the four faces of the young people grow sober. "'Now, mother,' cautioned Morgan Valentine. "'Charlie,' she broke out, "'what you been doin'? "'What you been doin'?' He went to her and tried to take her in his big arms, but she fended him off and held her head back to search his face. "'Some hound has been here talking,' he muttered. "'It was no worse than he said,' she queried. "'You only shot him in the arm?' "'It was only a scratch,' said Charlie. "'He won't know he was touched in a couple of days.' 
and oh uncle morgan cried mary valentine taking his hands in one of hers and waving to big charlie you'd have been proud if you'd seen him i'm so proud of him joe norman insulted me and charlie oh charlie you're a man she turned full upon charlie as she spoke with such joy shining from her face that the boy crimsoned with happiness it wasn't nothing mary don't make me feel foolish he stammered and it was plain to be seen that he would venture a thousand times more for her sake and in the background was his brother lewis with a shadow on his face as if he too would have been gladly a part of this ceremony of rejoicing and was determining to seize the first opportunity that came his way to strike a blow for the sake of mary but the voice of the mother cut in cold and small and withered all the happiness at the root mary valentine she said it's you that's been drawing my boy into peril it's you aunt maud cried the girl and ran to her but she stopped in the act of taking her hands have i deserved it of you mary whispered the older woman ain't i tried to be kind to you and is this the way you pay me back making murderers out of my sons mother cried charlie i won't stand you talking like that she didn't you see said mrs valentine sadly turning to her husband charlie you shut your mouth and keep still said morgan valentine sternly ain't you got manners with your own mother liz take your mother up to bed the girl was taller than mary by an inch or more and strongly built as blonde a beauty as mary was dark yet when she went to her mother she turned a glance of appeal upon her cousin as though asking for direction mary slipped between her aunt and the door to which elizabeth was leading her if ever you think hard of me aunt maud she said i want you to tell me what it's about and if ever i've hurt you or done you wrong i'll go down on my knees and beg you to forgive me tell me now while your heart's hot with it for a moment words trembled on the lips of mrs valentine but looking past mary she saw the face of her husband bowed her head and hurried from the room go to bed said morgan to his two sons and they trooped out in silence casting back frightened glances not at their father but at mary she waved a smiling careless good-night to them but the moment they were gone her bravado vanished she ran to her uncle and caught one of his burly hands in both of hers what have i done she whispered oh what have i done speaking personal he answered i'm hanged if i know sit down and we'll talk about it they sat down she was still holding his hand and though he made a faint effort to draw it away she kept it strongly in her own aunt maud looked as though she she hated me stuff but she looked straight into my eyes and women have a way of understanding other women uncle morgan ah girl there's the trouble you're a woman now do you mean that i've changed i don't know how to put it mary she cried out softly do you think that i've changed i knew your father before you a little silence fell between them in which both of them asked many questions and were answered at length the rancher began speaking again slowly she waited if you was a man mary you'd be a fine man but you ain't a man you're about nine-tenths a woman i guess with just enough man in you for spice is that a compliment instead of spice i might say deviltry oh 
I've got worse things than this to say to you. When you were a girl, Mary, I took all your mischief for granted. Yes, I have been very bad. Not bad, but you were always hunting for action, same's a boy does. You got into lots of scrapes, but you come out again just the way a boy does. But all at once you changed. You came pop out of a door one day, and you weren't a girl any more. You were a woman. That was when things started to pop. You see, nobody understands a woman. Except you, Uncle Morgan. Kindly leave me out. I don't know a thing about em. But you know everything about me. Not a thing, hardly. For instance, I don't know whether you just can't help making eyes at young gents, or whether you do it on purpose. Is that the cause of all the trouble? She dropped his hand. You see, it's the way I told you. I don't know a thing about you. Do you believe what people say? But tell me, aren't they right? She gasped. I thought so. You've turned into a man-eater, Mary. I think you're making fun of me. Me? Never. It's this way. I don't mean any harm. But when I see some boy I've never known very well, I just can't help beginning to wonder about him. What is he inside? Maybe he has a touch of the fire. I always keep hoping for that. What fire? I, I don't know. Well, go on. Maybe I met him at a dance. The music is in my head. He dances well. He doesn't talk much. My imagination begins to work on him. All at once he dawns on me. A new picture. He's strong, brave, gentle, clever, and has the spark of fire. I begin to burn with it. I'm happy. She dropped her chin upon her knuckles and stared gloomily into the distance. And that's all I can say about it but mostly you tell him that he's making you happy. Mostly. And then what does the man do? Mostly he says that I've made him happy too. Sometimes they start being foolish. They want to sit in the corner and hold my hand. I don't like that. Or if we walk out of the hall, they... She shuddered. Why do men want to put their arms around a girl when they're happy? What do you expect them to do? Why, talk or, or be silent and... Well, I don't know, but mostly they do something that makes me despise them before the evening's over. Or they don't, then I think about them until the next time we meet. And then everything pops into thin air. They always seem different. You understand? Maybe. It's just what I thought. Am I bad, Uncle Morgan? No, but you need room, honey. I'm going to send you away to a big city. You send... I won't go. It's Aunt Maud. She's never liked me. Hush, girl. She saw suddenly that his hand was trembling, and the sight of his grief struck her cold with awe. In some city, he went on slowly, you'll see crowds of clean young fellows. Maybe you'll get over this, or maybe you'll find a man that's worthy of you. But there ain't any around here, and I know them all. Why, rather than have you marry one of these unshaven, thick-headed fellows, I'd shoot the man first. I want you to marry a gentleman. He spoke this last slowly, hunting for the words. She sat with her head bowed, and then she looked up to him. You'll do what I want you to do, Mary? She made a little gesture. He could not tell whether it meant yes or no, and all the while there was a glimmer in her eye like the changing colors of watered silk. Chapter 4 But two days later Morgan Valentine bought a ticket to Chicago and made his reservations. 
mary had made up her mind apparently though not half a dozen words had been spoken on the subject of her departure since that first night but the next day she was talking of chicago as though all her life had been spent there and this experience in the mountain desert was only an excursion off her beaten trails between you and me uncle morgan she said why not new york this for some reason had rather staggered him but now that the ticket was bought dated ahead several days and the step irremediably taken he was easier he made a short stay at salt springs that day after he had the ticket in his wallet he went to the bank and drew out the cash for his monthly payroll his cowpunchers were numerous as befitted the keeping of his big range but moreover there were the hired men who worked the cultivatable ground and in the northern part of his domain the territory of his dead brother there was a small logging outfit altogether he had some thirty men to pay off each month and the payroll ran around sixteen hundred dollars he got it all in gold coin and it made a heavy little canvas sack fifteen pounds or so it was three in the afternoon before his buckskins jogged out of salt springs on the back trail of the twenty-five mile trip and though the going was fairly smooth most of the way it would be dark before he arrived that however was a small worry to him the two geldings were sure-footed as goats and given their own sweet way and a shambling trot they would take the buckboard home in rain or shine through the night and the rocks they had done it before so now morgan valentine bunched his duster around his shoulders with a shrug settled back into the right-hand corner of the big seat and let the reins hang idly an hour and seven miles dropped behind him and still the buckskins were jolting steadily on the suddenness of their stopping jerked him through a thousand miles of dreams back to the cold facts of earth the buckskins had their heads high and just before them was a horseman with a revolver pointing between the geldings and straight at the head of valentine he put up his hands with the utmost unconcern thanks said the stranger if you got any coin handy about you you might throw it this way there was deprecatory gentleness in this the same tone of embarrassment which one uses when one asks a stranger for a match and it made the rancher regard the hold-up artist with more attention the man sat a down-headed roan an ugly brute which looked undersized in comparison with the bandit's length of limb for he was a tall man with formidable shoulders he had long arms also which appeared extremely capable and the heavy colt was poised lightly as a feather and firmly as a rock he seemed indiscriminately somewhere between thirty and forty and might have been at either end of this limit what little hair appeared beneath his sombrero was sunburned and dusted to a pale grey-brown he had one of those lean long faces which are thin through the cheeks and wide through the cheekbones and the jaw he was far from good-looking and a very wide mouth and a highly arched nose which showed that he clearly belonged in the predatory type of mankind made up a further debit on the side of beauty to complete the impression his eyes were an uninteresting but very intelligent grey in fact one might say that the colour of this man was grey for the rest he keenly impressed morgan valentine as being about equal portions of sinew and sinew-hard muscle 
i suppose said morgan that you want my gun first i'm getting old partner admitted the other i'm forgetting my abcs but the last word was so explosive that valentine paused with his hand on the way down to his weapon but continued the stranger guns are things that i most generally like to take for myself thank you just the same as you please he stood up and turned his hands well above his shoulders while the revolver was removed from his holster which i'm acting like a fool amateur the bandit was saying apologetically and pretty soon you'll begin to be ashamed of being robbed he skidded the weapon into the back part of the buckboard now you can sit down again partner valentine accepted the invitation at close hand he found that the stranger lived fully up to his first impression he was indeed a grim-faced fellow only his voice which was of the most exquisite and tender softness counteracted the general effect now if you'll give me your kind attention just a minute sir went on the tall man i want to explain that holding a gun is a plain tiring to a gent of my nature that hates work so i'm going to put it back in the leather but here and there i've met curious gents that want to see just how quick that gun could come out of its house again and say how'd you do but they've let me take a gun off their hip and then they've strung a surprise by fetching out some little token of affection from under a coat or a shirt say a knife or a derringer and them that have tried my gun have most generally found it right there on the job talkin business so saying he slipped his weapon into its holster i think i follow your meaning said valentine which i'm a tolerable quick to do when men talk sense he added here's the coin and he kicked the canvas sack so that it jingled at the touch i have some in my wallet if that ain't enough to satisfy you at this the stranger smiled gently upon him there's one part of my heart that's an achin void sure enough he declared and that's the part where a plumb reasonable man fits in partner you seem to be it nope i don't want your wallet i guess that is and here he lifted the canvas sack and weighed it in his hand that is if this here talk is gold talk now when he lifted the sack and held it lightly at arm's length valentine had seen a rippling of muscle under the shirt-sleeves that fascinated him so he murmured absently yes it's all gold maybe it's the price of a few hosses you've just taken into town now went on the other thoughtfully maybe it ain't replied valentine yes and maybe it ain't maybe it's the cash from some little claim you've been working for some time maybe to cut it short said the bandit a little sharply is this going to bust you or not fifteen hundred dollars is quite a bit observed morgan valentine took me three years to make that much three years work in this bag yes the gray eyes puckered and gathered and a gleam went out of them but valentine withstood the stare at this the outlaw stepped back and glanced over the equipage swiftly judging by that harness and the way them hosses is set up i reckon i can put that down safe as the granddaddy of all the lies i've heard lately you forget said valentine that i didn't say what three years they were recent ones are a long time back the other grinned there was something remarkably contagious in his smile in spite of himself morgan valentine found his face wrinkling i dunno why it is declared the bandit but i take to you uncommon strong and i think i can begin to say the same about you my friend dear me 
said the outlaw and the feminine expression did not seem at all out of place for some reason we're getting real friendly ain't we seems that way you're the first hold-up gent that's ever troubled to ask whether or not what he took would bust me judging by that maybe i could say that sticking you up is one of the favorite sports around these parts maybe you could it used to be how many times have you been entertained eight times said the rancher dear dear who'd a thought you was that rich the other eight said the rancher lived in these parts and knew the size of my bank account eight times you left your roll behind you two of them replied valentine with a glittering eye i shot and buried two more i carried back to town after i'd bandaged them two more were killed by the posses and the other two gave up before they were salted away you don't tell me exclaimed the other with all the happiness of one who hears the ending of a pleasant tale and maybe this little job will give me more fun than i was looking for the rancher examined him for a time no he said i guess the ninth man will be the lucky one how comes that guess as i said the others lived in these parts but you've come a long way and you'll probably go on a long way still you talk better'n a riddle declared the bandit with open admiration how do you know i've come a long ways by the way your hoss is gaunted up by the knot in your handkerchief and by the look of your eyes eyes as if you'd been riding into the sun for a good many days them are all good signs but i never heard of that last one before now besides said the rancher you've got a professional air i wouldn't even waste time sending a posse after you now that's what i call real friendly you wouldn't even put the sheriff out about me certainly not suppose he caught you he'd probably get two or three men knocked in the head doing it and fifteen hundred ain't worth all that bloodshed i see you got a kind heart said the other carelessly also i've noticed that every real professional along your line has a pile of pals suppose i get you the word is passed along one of your friends comes and tries his hand with me just to get even you see i ain't bluffin i see you ain't bluffin said the other he flushed and straightened a little but if you come from my part of the country you wouldn't say that i hunted with any gang i play a lone hand partner i've never seen the crook yet that you could trust as a friend there was in this speech such a naive and direct comment upon the bandit himself that the rancher could not forbear a smile the other replied with instant good-nature which you've already said i'm a professional he dropped the money-bag into the saddle-pouch you really work alone why you can call it that but i got my gang i got a hoss and a gun which makes three of us and they's both been well tried out and not found wantin no but that hoss of yours don't look particular like a prize mr uh, drear replied the other quietly jess drear valentine looked back into his memory it presented a blank to him it's the right name said the other but you won't remember it i'm a quiet man sir and i got quiet ways End of chapters three and four